The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests, and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. I'm not sure what's going on with the ground crew, but they just pushed your tail back into a light pole. Okay. Yeah, they got you way off the center line there. They uh, Unfortunately, it looks like the tail just hit a light pole, and uh, you're kind of in a... Uh, basically stuck. Okay, yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll work it out, I guess. Uh, Blue Street 5503, thanks. Ground Blue Street 5503. Blue Street 5503, ground. They're checking now to make sure they make contact. You can for sure see that they make contact, the tail, and the light pole. Yeah, the light pole was moving around. I think it hit, uh, I think it's the APU exhaust. I think the uh, horizontal stabilizer was just above it. I think it just touched the APU exhaust. Okay, thanks. They're checking now, so we're just going to stay here until we figure it out. We'll probably have to go back to the gate. Understood. Yeah, I think it hit, uh, just hit the, the tail, the very tail of the aircraft. It looks like the light pole sort of resting on, I think it's the APU uh, inlet door. Alright, um, yeah, they don't know down there, so I guess we're just going to return the gate and then we're going to visually inspect ourselves. Roger that. It'll bust out. You got it? If you don't get it, forget about it. You're listening to Squawk Eyed In, an aviation podcast that explores the many pathways to an aviation profession, the challenges that a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, a professional airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. Welcome aboard Flight 120 of the Squawk Eyed In podcast, recorded on the 11th of October, 2022, from the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. On today's flight, I'm joined by Captain Roger and Rob D. And a very special guest host, Captain Rob Kosand. You might remember Captain Rob from Flight 104, The Speed of Heat. That's when we first heard all about his journey in aviation. On today's show, we will explore the possibility of hacking into a commercial aircraft's PA system, the recent changes to rest requirements for cabin crew members, and we'll ask the question, who is FAA acting head Billy Nolan? We also discuss nuclear aircraft, new financing options for student pilots, and the importance of knowing the key players that are in your aviation industry. All this and more on the 120th episode of the Squawk Ident Podcast. Joining us today is a superb aviator and Squawk Ident Podcast co-host. He is a former international professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, commercial drone operator, and currently an Airbus pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Joining us from his home podcast studio, where he is at the tail end of his staycation. From somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, help us in welcoming our very own Mr. Rob B. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling pretty... Uh pretty honored to be able to make two podcasts in a row. Uh, I know we're all busy and uh, pretty excited to get this one on the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. i um, very excited for our, our guest today. And uh, we'll, a little bit later in the show, we'll talk about what we've been up to and how we actually got a chance to meet up here in Southern California. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, it's for be sure. A good show. 
Also joining us today is another exceptional aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He's a professional CFI, I and MEI flight instructor, a former Embraer 145 airline pilot, King Air instructor, and Dassault Falcon 900EZ and 2000 pilot, and a G650 commander. He is a captain and director of flight operations, a corporate operator as well. Joining us live from his 10-year-old son's Spider-Man-themed bedroom, where he's in timeout during this podcast recording from somewhere in San Diego, California. Please help me in welcoming back to the show our very own Captain Roger. Captain, how you doing? I'm doing well. Just uh, like like uh, Rob just said, I'm I'm feeling very proud and. Uh, an honored to be able to make two shows in a row. I think that might be a personal best for me, um, <laughs> even if it is from the uh, the confines of of this disaster of a room yeah. that my son will have. He doesn't know it yet, but he's got some work to do when he gets home from school today. <laughs> yeah, well, you found yourself a little quiet uh, place to record, and uh, thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. Always yeah, a pleasure. Yeah. You know, I, I I didn't tell you guys. You know, I'm I'm kind of hiding. Also, it's kind of slightly long story, but they're out cat shopping. Oh, oh boy! And I don't want to have. I don't hate the cat. Uh huh. I don't want to have anything to do with them when they get home. So here I am, uh. hiding with the door closed. And this was the only place I could think of. To, Did you put the scrunchie on the door so they know not to come in and bother you? No, no, they'll probably hear me in here wondering what in the world's going on. Why are, why are you in Tyler's room? Oh, my God. <laughs> Go away. Well, oh, I thought you had that uh, wild tomcat that was around the neighborhood. What happened to that cat? So, so the cat, we did have a cat, and the cat died a year ago. Oh. And uh, why are you groaning? That's too it's bad. the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud on on a public podcast. Did but, I say that? Um, <laughs> like, and I really don't like them. And I, I basically was able to <laughs> compromise yeah. and got a year without a cat. Mm. And I've been told that my year of is up. compromise, it has, uh, yeah, is up. It's expired. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Well, welcome back to the fray. Good yeah. luck with that. As a, as a, as a cat Thank household you. myself, I know how much work they are. And yeah, I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, anyway, hopefully they pick out a good on. one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm very excited today, as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, because today we have a special guest host, a uh, gentleman who is returning to the show. The first time we introduced him was on Flight 104, The Speed of Heat. That's when we learned uh, about his journey in aviation and how he came from a, a very prominent aviation family. Following in the footsteps of his family's decorated journey upon graduating from the University of Oklahoma, he was commissioned to the U.S. Air Force, where he flew KC-135s for the 74th Air Refueling Squadron. He joined Legacy Airlines in the year 2014, where he flew 75s and 76s, and most recently, the Airbus A321 family of aircraft. Joining us from his home in Valencia, California, help me in welcoming back to the show, Captain Rob Cosan. Rob, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. You know, really excited. Um, you know, I've been been uh, trying to to get you on the show i appreciate it so much that you said yeah man i, I could do it let's yeah. let's 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 do this and you know uh in honor of you actually i've been meaning to tell you this uh, a couple weeks ago i was uh, on a layover in maui and i'm sitting there at the abc store picking up some snacks and i went you know what give me a a little tin of those hula girls and you know what i'm talking about because yep. i yep. got i got a bottle of whiskey and 
So these now I got these cigars, and I'm just gonna wait until we fly together again. Yeah, and we can I, enjoy I got it. mine sitting. All right, <laughs> my box right there. <laughs> nice. Always ready to go. Awesome. That is so cool. Wow. How have you been doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, flying the reserve life, like we talked about previously. Um, never know where it's going to go, but uh, making it work for us and and uh, balance, finding that balance of uh, get home and. Uh, Roll right into dad mode. Yeah. Right, well, with yeah. a 17 month old at home, yeah. you know, that's what I wanted to ask you was how is it being on reserve as, you know, a, a relatively junior captain that's not quite able to hold a line yet and yeah. juggle the needs of the family with a toddler? Uh, definitely, definitely challenging. Uh, definitely uh, requirements of forward thinking. Um, sadly that also includes being very expensive. Mm. <laughs> so it's definitely, uh, to keep the, the flexibility with the babysitters while on call, you got to bring them in. And if I don't get called, I'm not just sitting around the couch, looking at them, taking care of my kids. I'm off doing uh, all the other errands that need to be done yeah. uh, to keep them on a schedule to allow me to be able to, uh, continue on with what I need to be doing. Wow. So expensive, but, uh, a lot of forward thinking, but that is aviation yeah and and is your wife's uh, schedule have any kind of flexibility in it too as a she's a not nurse yet. at the hospital yeah uh, not yet uh, she's finishing up uh this year uh at surgery rotations for training Ooh. uh when she's done with that it'll be more more remote mm -hmm. uh stuff doing still busy at the house but uh, definitely it'll be a, a nice time to have her uh around the house when i get home and get to enjoy and uh remember why we got married to begin with yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i often said that every marriage yeah. is like uh at some point especially with with young children every marriage is kind of like ships in the night you only cross each other yeah. as one's leaving and you know yeah. yeah 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 so it's 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 definitely nice uh we, we've been uh we, we got our priorities straight uh it's just definitely one of those little self-sacrifice for the time being but uh definitely definitely looking forward to rekindling and enjoying what uh what we're working hard for yeah a little uh vacation once uh it's uh, in order is definitely due as uh some some marriage yeah. counselor once told me you and your your spouse need to go find a hotel with no windows and just lock yourselves in every once in a while <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. good well and how's the flying uh on reserve are you flying quite a bit uh, actually, no. Um, well, mostly the transcon still. Uh, occasionally the red eye here and there, but uh, definitely with the, the bidding strategies, I've, I've figured out how to stay away from those. Um, but you do get, uh, you, uh, what's the best word to say in it is uh, sometimes luck catches up to you and you end up doing four pretty hard legs in a day. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a regional routing going, this is what I, I don't remember signing up for this. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Multiple yeah. MELs, APU and up, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. Uh, but standard stuff. Anything but exciting happened to you in the past, uh, uh, since last time we had you on the show? Nothing magical. Uh, just the standard um, uh, bird strike here or there. Um, but other than that, no, no real disturbances, no medical stuff, no... Uh, Oh, baby in the baby in the laboratory is always a fun one. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So there we are. We're, we're at cruise and we're, we're, I'm on the phone with the uh, number one flight attendant. We're, we're, we're trying to get the, the, the meal order place and what we want to drink. And all of a sudden, cabin smoke. Uh-huh. CRC goes off. Bing, mm-hmm. bing, 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 bing. And of course, I got a cup of coffee in my hand and <laughs> Im- immediately do what I'm supposed to do. But I actually put my coffee down instead of throwing it. And I go, all right, what's going on? My aircraft. And uh, we get through it. And she's like, I'll call you right back. We get on it. Boom, here's the paperwork. Guy, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Still doesn't matter because I almost spilled my coffee. <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, it's like that movie, right Traffic there. School. If, if you spill yeah. my cup of coffee, you failed as a uh, driver. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that, that's been the, uh, the, the actually most occurring thing that I, I'd probably say twice a month or so. Really? Yeah. That's been going on, or at least that I've experienced. And I'm flying probably 60, 70 hours a month. Okay. On reserve, so well, that's quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's a bit, but I, it's definitely an uptick from uh, years past. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, we, we can we can definitely dive into that a little more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with today's show, we we were talking about um, some pretty exciting, uh, I guess you could say, news about the industry. Uh, and I, I really wanted you ha- to have you here to kind of get your take on what you've experienced uh, so far uh, here at the Legacy Airlines and your experience flying uh, with all those years in the military and your aviation family background. And, and your sister is also here at Legacy. So um, she's, you know, got a little bit of uh, input there too. I'm sure she's told you a few stories. Um, yep. But before we get to that, uh, let's catch up with uh, Rob. Rob, now you just got back from your, or you're finishing your staycation. Right. And, uh, Today's my, so, the last day of my staycation. Yeah. So what, what's all that about? <laughs> well, I just, you know, this is one of those uh, failed bidding strategies when, <laughs> when you go to bid for your annual vacation. Uh, this is one of the weeks that they just threw on my schedule and here you go. This is what you get. So um, it actually worked out pretty good because, uh, as you know, we, uh, we went to uh, Southern California and I got to meet up with you and, uh, take you out to lunch and everything. And we had a good time there. Uh, my daughter was, um, looking at my youngest daughter was looking at a school for uh, it's called Shamanad university from actually Honolulu, Hawaii. And, uh, they happened to be playing Azusa in, um, in Southern California. So we took the trip out there and, uh, watched them play and we got a chance to meet the coach and, um, introduce ourselves and try to get on their radar for a uh, possible um, play, you know, position on their team um, as, as my daughter will be graduating in 2024. So got to meet the uh, coach, assistant coach, the athletic director of the school. So it, it was a really good, uh, really good meeting. And, and we were really glad we made it out there. Um, yeah. And uh, then I got to spend some time with my buddy, Tom. He's one of my best friends. We go fishing all the time up at the Canada. Um, got to hang out with him for the evening and then flew back to uh, Texas the next day. So um, that was that. And then this weekend, we actually flew out to Durango, Colorado, where my oldest daughter is uh, going to attend Fort Lewis College uh, in Durango to Division II school. And uh, we got to watch the team play a couple couple games and watch a football game and just got to uh, 
enjoy the sights and sounds of Durango, Colorado here in the uh, fall season. It's a beautiful area. I'm sure, you know, if you haven't been there, I do highly recommend you go. Oh, yeah. Take take the time and go see it. It's beautiful. Got the uh, the narrow gauge railroad that goes up to Silverton, Colorado, and it's just gorgeous this time of year. And uh, great places to eat and shop and hang out. And um, yeah, she, my daughter's gonna really have a great experience up there. Um, just Colorado's beautiful, as we all know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, spent a few ta- few days there and came back yesterday, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yep. Yeah, Durango is vacation. beautiful. I used to, to drive around. up there from when I was living in Albuquerque. You'd go up there yeah. for skiing yep. and snowboarding. It's a couple-hour drive from Albuquerque. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really nice. So Now, let me get this straight. You yeah. have two daughters. I do. Both will be entering college a year apart from each other. Yes, You're sir. first officer at a mainline carrier. Are you rich? Oh, How the heck no. are you going to afford two daughters in college <laughs> at the same time? Well, I'm lucky. Well, my oldest daughter uh, received a scholarship, uh, athletic scholarship. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's, that's huge. It doesn't yeah. cover the the total expense of of the of the school uh, of the tuition, but um she is also getting a um an academic scholarship and that's going to cover pretty much all of it together. So, just just need to find a couple grand here just to kind of you know tie in some of the loose end stuff with you know housing mostly for the second third and fourth year Mm -hmm. Uh, first year they have to live in the dorms and all that but um second third and fourth year she's probably going to want to live off campus so uh we'll we'll see what that comes but that brings and then my other daughter we're also looking for the same type of situation where she'll get a uh uh, athletic scholarship and then her grades are doing really well too so we're hoping for an academic scholarship also and yeah and we do have some you know money saved up for uh for college but not you know not the whole tuition i mean right it, well nowadays it, this is this is a point where i wish i would have you know put in the time for that post 9-11 gi bill um that a lot of military guys got because that's that that's huge i mean mm-hmm. That pays for quite a bit, so yeah. I could think not at all of it, you know, for at least one kid. So yeah. anyway, and then uh, I know Legacy Airlines has a scholarship program for the children of employees. Have you looked into that? No, uh, <laughs> but I will be. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did. I did see that on on uh, JetNet, and but uh, that yeah. I've been so busy, I haven't even. Yeah, there's so many programs out there. I think the union has a scholarship program for the employees' uh, children, and I believe the credit union, the Legacy Airlines Credit Union, has some kind of program in in, uh, effect for tuition uh, help and low, actually, have low interest uh, tuition loans, uh, student loans. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna try to exploit every you know grant and scholarship that they, there is to be offered. Obviously, the whole idea is to get out with net zero, or if not a <laughs> net positive, uh, you know, with the situation yeah. and, you know, or as little to no cost out of my pocket as possible. Yeah. So. <laughs> so the lesson here, which is it's why I, I asked and brought it up, is, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a young aviator, just getting into the industry, and maybe you have a family, maybe you're starting a family, maybe you're you're a single guy that or gal that's just out there to have a good time and no plans to have children at all whatsoever either way 
it's always a good idea to put a little percentage of your income aside, whether that be for future college tuition expenses or some natural disaster that happens. I, I have friends that were in Florida this uh, oh, yeah. you know, past few weeks. And, you know, here I am, they're posting pictures of them pressure washing the inside of their house because of the flooding oh, that man. happened um, in Eastern Florida. So, you know, you never know when these expen- expenditures might co- come up or, you know, with education yeah. expense. And if you have kids, especially, you do know, you just need to plan yeah. ahead. And, and there's so many programs out there. Um, if got a good income, you have a 401k, hey, that's great. But there's always the opportunity to set aside just a little bit every month. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to hurt. Um, and, you know, Captain Rob, <laughs> we're talking to you here. <laughs> here he is. <laughs> so, yep. so yeah, always a yep. good idea. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I'm really happy yep. that we had a chance to to have lunch together. Uh, yeah, Captain nice. Roger, you've been flying. We last time we spoke to you, you you were doing the uh, Mexico what 36 hour layovers every weekend for the month of September. How did that work out? Um, it worked out okay for the first couple times. Um, and then the third time, whoops, the third times actually didn't happen. Um, first time I was there, uh, oh, that was when I was bedridden, right? Yeah. You had, you that, threw your back yes, out. Oh right, yeah. You had a I bad remember. back or something like that. I was an yeah. invalid in Cabo. We kept talk, trying to talk you into go getting a massage. Yeah. Okay. So I could share another story about that, but I cannot oh, do okay. that on a public <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, that was an interesting texting string that I had from another one of our pilots, but <laughs> I digress. Um, so yeah, I was an invalid for the first time in Cabo, and the second time was, so that was in the 900, and then the next weekend was the Gulfstream trip, had another, it, where I was not not an invalid, so that was nice. Nice. Um, still no massages, Rob, for me, personally. <laughs> um, Dude, just do it, just do it. So that was a that was a better trip just because I was able to get out of bed and I was mobile. Mm-hmm. And then on the third one, we actually just had a little bit of a change in the Gulf Stream. Our mechanics needed to do some work on the Gulf Stream and the the, the maintenance on that gets done in Salt Lake. And so mm-hmm. um since we don't, you know, we have four airplanes, we have, you know, now eight pilots, but only a couple of them. Are, are rated on the Gulfstream, and so I I had to move the plane, and so I had to pull myself off the third Cabo trip, which was fine um, for me at least. And I moved the airplane between San Diego and Salt Lake for on a couple different days that week, and then that was that was that was the last flight I remember. I'm not sure. There's so much stuff that goes on. Actually, like 30 seconds before before you asked me what I was doing, I was on the phone dealing with the scheduling thing. It all just kind of runs together. I'm I'm not gonna lie, and I've got my hand in about 18 different pots trying to juggle what's going on from a scheduling standpoint. Because you know, for what I do, it's not just like just the flights that I do. I'm responsible for all the flights that I'm not on in terms of a lot of lo- the logistics too. So, yeah. Man. My head goes in a lot of different directions. Yeah. To be careful, man. They, they, they have a, a name for that. <laughs> well, you see, see, you guys yeah, just, you guys do nothing except the easy part. We, you wow. know, we've talked about this before. You show up to the know. gate and the, the gate, the gate agent looks at you and she goes, 
Where's my crew mail? Paperwork and she matches the names and hopefully you're, you're at the right gate. Hopefully you guys found the right gate. Okay. Step aside, sir. Which I'm sure you've never done before. Ma, let me correct you on that, Roger. They, 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 Roger. And you they don't wander e- down the jet bridge. They don't even look at us, Roger. They, they just, just want to make sure we're there and go. And go. They, they don't just even make, look at make your sure ID. that they can't. They p- can't put a delay code on on, on themselves. Oh, they will. They'll put I it mean, on us. I'd have yeah. to put a no, cowbell. They, no, they on want me to make sure the delay code does not go on them. They'll put it on you. They'll be like, whoa. And then, you know, you sit down and you look around that thing that they call the flight deck that you in the in the airplane that you've flown for the past five years. <laughs> you reorient yourselves and then you go flying. Yeah. <laughs> That's Captain. You know, right. at least at least Captain so not, Rob down here. Yeah. At least he's flown a few different aircraft types in his time. Yeah. OK. <laughs> you know, I have flown three different airplane types in one day, and that's. And that's a challenge, my friends. Such a slacker. Yeah. Sure is. Part you guys show up, show up and you, you fly make, an airplane. You don't even read a checklist. You're, you're just like, you're flip, making flip, flip, it let's a go. lot harder than it really has to be, Roger. <laughs> and you know, in the end, I do. I am not going to lie. Sometimes I look at myself and I'm going, what am I doing? Yeah. Is this, am I actually, is this actually better? And I can't really tell. And then on the flip side, there are those days where I where I commute. There was maybe a month or two ago, I was going through Vegas. Uh, actually, remember, you guys probably remember when Vegas was getting hammered by the monsoons. Yeah. It was the day after they had had a big... Tony's over there like, what? What? I don't know. Uh, it was like the day after one of these things, and the airport was a madhouse. Uh, and that day, I was just kind of wandering through, and I'm going, this is why I don't. Like, I don't want to do the airlines because I don't want to have anything to do with this. And everyone's upset and everything. But you're uh, flying commercially. Yeah, I was having yeah. to I was trying to make my yeah. way back from Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do it was Reno to, to Vegas on a connection. And, and so, who are you flying on? That was on that was on Southwest. Mm-hmm. OK, really? You don't want to go down this road. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Rob's down and, there pretty quiet. I don't and know. And there you go. <laughs> and there you uh, go. He said it, folks. <laughs> I uh I typically fly on Southwest and Delta. And mostly that's just because of Intercalifornia. Southwest has a lot yeah. of flights. And then being Salt Lake. What's that? Yeah, you want it? Yeah, exactly, Rob. He, get get he wants yeah. to get there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you said it. <laughs> uh, and then because we have a, a plane based in Salt Lake, you know, because Delta also has Delta. a hub in Salt Lake, we, like, right. you know, we get a nonstop. We get it. We get it. Yeah, You're not a yeah. huge customer of ours. We get it. That's we get okay. it. You know, totally Legacy understand. has. I flew, into, I flew into Dallas for my retraining. I appreciate it. Thank I flew you. Southwest. <laughs> so you went to love. That's not Dallas. <laughs> I did. Oh, you know why field. I went to love, though? Yeah. This is a, the important information, you know? I went to Love because of the, it's much easier to get and return a rental car at Love than it is at DFW. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was why I did it. It really wasn't. Buses, it didn't have yeah. anything to do with air, any airlines. It was the yeah. rental car situation. Yeah. And that's yeah. a trick, too. If you're a commuter and you're trying to get to LAX and, or try to get out of LAX or whatever, and you don't have a time constraint, sometimes flying into Palm Springs and renting a car is, with a two-hour drive connected to it is easier easier <laughs> than having yeah. to wait four hours to make a connecting flight which you're going to probably sit in the jump seat anyway and but but then you yeah. have the expense of the car but whatever yeah and there you go there you have well, it well you know lately uh we've been i'm sorry what's your time worth yeah exactly that's right I, and i and i do that with uh 
with like fixing things around the house too. I'm like, okay, I, what am I, what do I get paid an hour at work? Okay. How long is this going to take me to do? And can I hire somebody to do it for me in yeah. less money? And if the answer is yes, I lean that way because my yeah. time is, you know, worth it. That's how, you know, you're getting a little bit older or at least for me, because I think about that in the same way It's like, you yeah. know, all this stuff that you spend money on, you know, before where it was like, okay, well, can't holy smokes, it. <laughs> I better do that by <laughs> myself because yeah. I can't pay that. And now right. you look at, you know, the value of your time now and it's the, the, the metric of that definitely has changed. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this next uh, story that we're going to cover here today. Uh, can a commercial airliners PA system be hacked? And what a better panel to have. And we're going to talk about the possibility of this. We ask after stumbling across a recent article entitled American Airlines passenger reported that an unnerving groan and moaning sounds came from the PA system that sounded somewhere between uh, orgasm and vomiting. <laughs> this is a story by somewhere in between the two somewhere in between the two yeah. and we're going to actually hear a little bit about this too a story by bethany byron uh from businessinsider.com it was uh, posted on their website on the 25th of september and i'll have a link in the show notes now this uh passenger who was a social media guy on tiktok uh decided he was going to post this anomaly uh but it's not as uncommon as you would think Passengers on board an American Airlines flight from Los Angeles to Dallas, Fort Worth, earlier this month were thrown into a state of confusion and concern when strange noises began emanating from the airplane's public announcement system, or the PA. As documented by Emerson Collins, a now viral uh, video, a bizarre series of ominous moans and groans suddenly filled the cabin shortly before takeoff puzzling passengers and flight attendants and they you know continued throughout the duration of the flight someone on this flight seems to have broken into the intercom system and continues to make sounds that is somewhere between an orgasm and vomiting he said (laughs) and you know because of because we can let's listen in Okay, so we have to address this because <laughs> as professional pilots, um, I can tell you that hacking into a PA system on board a commercial aircraft, this aircraft was an LA to Dallas flight, so it was either going to be, more likely it was an Airbus, 
um, by looking at the photos, I can't really tell the, or the video, I can't really tell in the interior of the cabin because it's not really showing it. But it's either going to be an Airbus or a 737. How do you hack into a PA system? You can't. There's the, what, from what portal are you going to do this? Which tells me you have to pick up a handset, right? Or if you're not picking up a handset in the cabin to do this, you have to be on the flight deck. And on the flight deck, there are multiple ways to make a PA. You can either pick up the handset that the captain usually is reserved to use. And when pressing the push to talk, it just directly cuts right into the PA system. Or you can do it while wearing your headset by pushing a button on the radio control panel that says PA. When you push that button, it cuts everything out and you make a PA. Now, if both the ca FO and the captain try to make a PA at the same time, the captain's side, I believe, is priority, so it cancels out the FO side. There's also an observer jump seat that has a radio control panel. In the Airbus, there are two jump seats. So there's also a panel, uh, let's see, on the overhead, uh, on the overhead panel that has a PA button. Now, uh, this is clearly a prank, right? I think it's a prank from either one of the pilots <laughs> trying to be funny, <laughs> or maybe someone grabbed the headset from the rear lav, went into the lav with it, and the front flight attendant was not, you know, on the phone with the rear lav. Uh, who knows? I, I have no idea. We we weren't there. What do you guys think? Is this <laughs> is this plausible that someone can hack into the PA system? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you want to go the, the, the realm of Mythbusters, is it plausible or impossible? It's plausible in the sense that, okay, the only thing that I could think of, if you want to call it the term of hacking with computerized software and stuff like that, is somebody put in a software code at, through maintenance function or uh, avionics technician that in the... Uh, absence of a PA is doing something like a screensaver. Oh, okay. That, that's the only, if there was no one on the aircraft nefarious enough to actually be performing that, that could have been the only way possible I think that it could have worked. Essentially, somebody plugging in a USB drive onto the airplane to then corrupt the PA system when it's not in use, it, it, it does this soundtrack. If we're going down. I mean, that, those are huge ifs. But in terms of computer software coding, that's the only way that it's plausible. Yeah. Possible, no. I mean, possible, yes. Plausible, no. Yeah. Well, the article actually goes on to kind of explain a little bit. Now, I don't know if this explanation that uh, the American Airlines spokesperson gave... Uh, <laughs> to the media about this is is actually what happened um but it says later in the video a flight attendant is overheard saying i swear it's a prank while walking down the aisle and according to an american Airlines spokesperson the sounds were a result of a technical issue noting that the system on their aircraft are hardwired and there is no external access Following the initial report, our maintenance team thoroughly inspected the aircraft and the PA system and determined that the sounds were caused by a mechanical issue with the PA amplifier, which raises the volume of the PA system when the engines are running, the spokesperson told the insider. However, it appears 
This wasn't the only American Airlines flight that has been subject to strange noises. According to the Los Angeles Times, a passenger uh, on a July flight from New York to Los Angeles reported similar sounds. This passenger, Bradley P. Allen, told the Times that the the noises were nearly identical to those shared by Collins, comparing them to someone who is incapacitated by severe gastrointestinal problems, (laughs) (laughs) just moaning. Uh, He called the experience unnerving. So, you know, uh, flight attendants are standing by their phones because it isn't them. And the captain just told us on the flight that he didn't think the flight systems are compromised and that they're going to finish the flight to Dallas, passenger continued. So, you know, these problems are not that uncommon. If it's an amplifier amplifying the sounds of the, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Amplifying somebody's bowel movements. Yeah, engines don't yeah. sound like that. I mean, now, yeah. if I was a nefarious first officer, okay, and the captain's sitting there, and we both have headsets on. And I reach over and push a button on a radio control panel without the captain noticing. And I quietly, into my microphone, with my mouth as close as possible, go... <laughs> it's possible, with my head turned so that they can, you know, he can't see it. It's possible. Yeah. But... sure. It's extremely unprofessional and highly yeah, unlike yeah. as as probably as improbable as someone hacking into the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But totally, hey, it went viral. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I mean, can you believe this happened? Yeah, uh, that's funny. Sorry, that's it is funny. Shoot. I think I've shared I shared my story maybe on uh, one other podcast, but it it kind of runs along this same topic when uh, when I was on at a sandpiper. I think you remember me telling the story, Tony, uh, where I was on the 145 and we're, you know, cruising over somewhere, you know, mid-continent U.S. And, uh, you know, it's not unusual for, you know, every once in a while, a a crew member to call from the back and say, hey, uh, you know, passenger wants to know where are we, you know, what's going on. So, you know, yeah, we're over, you know, whatever the Mississippi River. So we're flying along, flying along, and I get the call in the cockpit, ding dong. And I pick it up and I said, hey, this is Rob. And they're like, hey, uh, where are we? And I'm like, oh, we're over, uh, you know, Springfield, Missouri. And they're like, oh, how high are we? And I'm like, oh, we're at 37,000 feet. How fast are we going? You know, <laughs> 450 miles an hour. How long do we, how much longer do we have? I'm like, oh, I got another hour and a half. I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, and they hang up. And then I didn't think anything of it. And then the flight attendant calls back and says, was the passenger just talking to you on the phone? <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't really think about it, but I guess so. Yeah. He goes, yeah, he just picked up the phone in the back of the, you know, the bulkhead and pushed the button that said pilot. And he just started talking to you. And I was like, oh, okay. We'll tell him I said, hi. I <laughs> 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 was just so out of the blue. Yeah. But we never uh, know who's calling us. All we get is a ding dong. And, you know, then you start talking and you're like, hey, this is, you know, this is Sally yeah. from the front or this is, you know, Joe from the back. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's different for sure. Rob, have you ever, uh, uh, Captain Rob, have you ever had uh, an incident like that? Uh, not where passengers uh, asked, just started talking, <laughs> but uh, definitely um, it, you, you can have some pretty interesting conversations. Uh, with the PA system, and that's definitely one that 
think we'll all agree we do enjoy it being a closed loop system yeah. uh, to where we we definitely need to get the certain lines of communication, but at the same time, we can have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've heard the stories before. Different aircraft have these little hacks where, um, like we heard of a story back at Sandpiper. I know, Rob, you, you, uh, you heard this one too, where a particular flight attendant would go to the back of the aircraft and while she would be back there, she would pick up the handset and push two buttons at the same time, which would then make the intercom system hot without a chime. So then she could listen in on what was being discussed on the flight deck and without anybody knowing. And yeah. then she would go and, and come claim harassment because yeah. she was listening in <laughs> on a conversation. Now, yeah. you know, <laughs> Yeah, you shouldn't be talking crap at work because everything's being recorded. And if anything ever happens, all your dirty laundry is going to end up on the news because the CVR yeah. thing that it's not supposed to be released to the public without it, yeah, that's all gone out the window. So trust me, yeah. if you tell a dirty joke on the flight deck and after you land, you're going to skid off the runway, it's going to be on CNN and Fox and six o'clock news. I mean, it just <laughs> <laughs> so so be cognizant of that. And if you just don't care or don't give a shit, then then you could say whatever dirty. Yeah. comment off color joke you want <laughs> uh but yeah. yeah always be cognizant and be aware that you know someone might be listening in on your conversation up there you're not Definitely. as safe as you think you are yep roger have you ever had anything like that i cannot say that these uh problems are really something that affects me well back uh, in the day when you were <laughs> flying for an airline you were Back in of, the day when, when I you was were one of us, airline, <laughs> when I was one of you, um, I, I no, the PA system was not ever. I mean, I never thought about the PA system. I've never heard anything like that. You know, like you guys, I'm, I've, I've ridden in the back of a lot of airplanes. I've never heard anything like that. I've never experienced anything like that. Um, like you guys had mentioned, the first thing I thought was like, this is a closed system. I don't think that it's even possible to hack into it because there's no way to get into it. Yeah. Um, you know, airplanes themselves, you know, with the exception of the recent advent of of the Internet that, that they do have. I mean, nothing on an airplane by design and by purpose and for for reasons that we all can kind of figure out an airplane is by itself unto itself. Um, there is no way to get into it because that's, I mean, that would, that defeats the entire purpose of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, past that, the PA system was never something I really thought about. It was just something that, you know, yeah. when I was one of you that we had to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and soon you most, guys will have to do it, uh, Rob and Tony, starting in January. Right. The, the, yeah. We used to have to do that. A couple of the PA, it was like whoever the pilot flying was would have to make the, the cruise PA. Um, and the yeah. first officer used to have to make like the, the gate arrival PA and yeah. the pre-departure PA. And then, because they, they said that that was a pilot monitoring, pilot flying. And then when I came over to Legacy, I was kind of surprised to hear that, no, 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 only captains make PAs. And, uh, and a few captains have said, hey, Tony, you want to make the PAs? And I looked at him like... Oh, but, but only, but only, only captains make PAs, man. See, that was one of the weird things that it kind of <laughs> sounded like when, you know, that you guys had over there that only the, the captains are supposed to be making the PAs, which I never understood. Like, what, what is, is this like a power kind of thing? Like, does it, and not only that, who, who actually listens to the PAs? 
folks from the tower. Uh, I mean, there's a, we'll just say there's 150, 150 people on the back of the airplane, probably even more on most of the airplanes now. And of the, how many are actually listening to the PA? Ten? Well, they've cleared us to push back. We'll be departing shortly. Now, this is where we get a little fun because I do have the list of my, my crew, and I'd say I'd, I'll rattle off the names of uh, the four flight attendants, insert Eddie, John, Susie, and Kelly. Whoever can tell me the last the name the first names of my four flight attendants, I'll give you hundred bucks. What? I've and ne- how I've, often? I've, how has have you paid it yet? None. Zero. Not zero. only they have to be listening, but then they need to remember. Well, but, exactly. But they have little name badges on, so they could cheat and go. Uh, but then they they would need to go get up and go throughout the entire cabin, and I'm sure yeah. that yeah. that Rob's smart enough to put a time frame yeah. on that. Number oh, four yeah. rarely so comes up to the first class, so <laughs> they never see that. Yeah, number two and number four. So yeah, rarely we have four flight attendants. Class, yeah, yeah. So number I'll tell one, you what, and next three. time, next time I'm flying on Legacy, uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to pay attention just in case Rob's flying up there. I'm going to come up there and I'm going to collect hundred dollar, hundred dollar. No, I'll get a a check payable next year. (laughs) Venmo. Now, here's the truth, Robin. Be careful. This is what's going to happen. Roger will be like, hey, uh, can you give me the NS on flight number uh, 142? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sure. Hold on. (laughs) Screenshot it. Actually, you know what what I'm going to do? If I see Rob and I get on the airplane, I'm going to need to do this. And I'm going to get my whole row and everybody around me, and I'm going to take a cut. So we're all going to ding. We're all going to give the names of flight attendants. I'm going to take 50% from each one of them. You're like, oh, I like it. Damn, I'm not for doing that again. Like <laughs> but it. now the secret's out. So you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> for, for all seven people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> you never know. You do never know. I'll gladly pay if it ever happens. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Uh, you know, and, but speaking of cabin issues and cabin crew members, you know, recently... A uh, pretty interesting article. We've been talking about this happening uh, here on the show, that it was inevitable. Uh, you know, we saw, actually, on the last episode, on the last flight, we, we talked about this, right, guys? Um, how the rest requirements stemmed from incidents that happened uh, with the Colgan crash in Buffalo years ago. And, you know, that changed the way we look at ATP minimums. It changed the way we look at rest requirements. And all these came from that report. Now, the FAA changed rest requirements for pilots, uh, and we no longer have rest requirements under Part 121, which is airline carriers. Uh, We now have rest requirements under Part 117. And it's a whole convoluted thing with multiple tables. Are you an international going to multiple theaters, or are you domestic staying in one theater and all this stuff? And so, and it depends. Like, you have to look at your base time and what time did you uh, start your day home base time and depending upon that a bit depending on the table you look at or which chart uh, you would figure out how many hours can you fly for for that day and how many hours on duty meaning from when you uh, an hour prior to departure time you have to be at the gate and ready to go to the 15 minutes post-flight or international what is it 20 minutes post-flight so that's your duty time the time you're on duty so if you have a four hour sit in the middle of the day that counts uh, for your duty time so you have limits to these things. The flight attendants never had that change. They've always been under the original 121 rest requirements that pilots uh, had. And for that, it was you know, a minimum nine hours of flight time. Or, or sorry, a minimum of nine hours of rest. 
And that could be lowered to a reduced rest scenario of eight hours, no less than eight hours. But then on the following within 24 hours, you need to make up for that hour by getting compensatory rest of 10 hours. Now, this whole convoluted thing was a little simpler because there were no tables and charts. It was just a hard rule. But flight attendants no longer have the same rest requirements as pilots. And so what's been happening over the years is uh, pilots are going to the layover and the flight attendants keep going. And then the flight attendants go to the layover, but the pilots keep going. And so you never have any, there's, there's no overlap. There's no uh, continuous crews that to fly together for multiple days. It's very, very rare. But after years of pushing the flight attendant union finally got it passed. And I, I think it's in part because of the new acting head of the FAA. It was a hot button topic for him as well. So in a recent FAA rule, it changed the changes. It gave uh, cabin crew members more rest by increasing the minimum rest between flight periods from a minimum of eight hours to a minimum of 10 hours. Uh, a great article that I found on this is from One Mile at a Time, an article written by our favorite author, Ben Schlappig, on the 4th of October, 2022. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and here, he talks about all the different work rules. A uh, little bit about the article, and then I'll, I'll play some audio. There are all kinds of work rules for airline crews. Minimum rules are generally mandated by the FAA, and the individual airlines can choose to implement more generous policies as part of their contracts. Along those lines, the FAA has today, the day from the article came out, finalized a rule requiring a minimum of 10 hours of rest for flight attendants between duty days. This applies when flight attendants have a duty period of up to 14 hours. If the duty period is longer, they get even more rest. As a point of comparison, previously, flight attendants generally had a minimum of nine hours of rest, though in some cases it could be as little as eight, as we mentioned. They had a news conference at uh, DCA, at uh, Reagan International. They talked about the, um, the rule change. Uh, we really, the first I heard of the acting head, Billy Nolan, of the FAA, I didn't really pay attention to who's in charge. Um, so occasionally I'll read an article and it's somebody different. Uh, but then they asked a question in, the, in their Q&A session, talking about disgruntled passengers and what the FAA was going to do about it. And here's what they said. Uh, question from, I'm sorry, a uh, question about uh, how to handle uh, disgruntled passengers uh, moving forward. Question for both of you. Uh, thank you for the question. Look, we have a zero tolerance policy. We've seen a dramatic, certainly with, with the mass mandate that has gone away, we've seen a dramatic decline. But we still have a zero tolerance policy. So whether or not it is mask or any other time. If people act up on an airplane and act out of character, we are going to take, we're going to put them on notice and we're going to take action. Our role within the FAA is to protect crews. That is first and foremost for us. We will do everything within our statutory power to ensure that people who do wrong things uh, have consequences for those actions. Sarah. <clears throat> Look, the incidents are still too high, and you called out um, the clear problem of full, all full airplanes and uh, minimum staff. 
Number one, this rest rule, the airlines have uh, said that they will have to hire more flight attendants. That doesn't necessarily mean more staffing, but of course it means people are not going to be as exhausted as they're dealing with this. That is helpful. Um, it's also been very helpful. I want to be very clear that the FAA has been, uh, has taken a leadership role on this issue. It was very important that on January 13th, of 2021. They set out that zero tolerance policy um, and uh, have been very clear about rolling out fines, have also been very, have worked with us to coordinate with law enforcement, airlines, airports, to move communication to help everyone understand that this is a responsibility across the board. That communication and jurisdiction issues to be able to respond to these issues so there are consequences on the other end are very important. The MOU between TSA and FAA uh, to take people out of the pre-check uh, program because they are no longer trusted if they are acting like this on a plane um, is very important. The MOU with the DOJ so that FAA can move its investigations over to DOJ and speed up prosecution and get people um, to those uh, jail sentencings faster because of that is very important. These consequences are very important. Uh, we need to continue to act together, call this out, and make sure that flight attendants are getting the backing that they need. Our union would also say that we want lawmakers to move on a banned passenger list. It is possible to do that with a due process, um, so we continue to promote that. We also continue to call on the airlines to increase staffing both at the gates and on the planes. and. Um, we, uh, we also call on everyone in any leadership position anywhere to call out helpers and to lift up helpers and to recognize that actually this is a small handful of people making it hell for flight attendants on the front lines of their work and making it very difficult for travelers who just want to have a safe, uneventful flight, which is the vast majority of people. Sounds like they're addressing um, quite a bit of things and along with the, uh, the rest rules. Which I think, I think we could all agree <laughs> the rest rules was something that needed to change <laughs> for a long time. It's 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 rough watching some of our team members in the back there. You know, there's there some of them are so exhausted. Yeah. You know, they just didn't get enough rest, or you know, they're they're just uh, oh yeah. And then the ones that to protect them, the ones that extend when it comes to that stuff. So yeah, the ones that know, extend well, their duty. Oh my, it goes on like for hours and and yeah. unlike us where we have protections uh, in place that yeah. was uh, sarah nelson president of the association of flight attendants or the cwa uh talking about the passengers and how rest is critical to be able to handle these disturbances and how we really need to step up uh the prosecution of those that act out on, on board an aircraft yeah 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 a lot of stuff going on. It sounds like they're addressing it. I like the uh, TSA thing that they talked about, though. Yeah. You know, if somebody acts out, you know, yank their TSA pre-check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. That that's a whole other part of you know our industry that that's kind of off my radar. Um, but you know, it's obviously there's a lot of issues there that are very important that need to be addressed. Yeah. And we were going to talk a little bit about TSA today, but decided uh, there's some other stories that we wanted to talk about, like uh, funding uh, for tuition, for flight training, uh, who 
our Bill Billy Nolan is, uh, and we're going to learn a little bit about him right after the break. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Well, we've been talking about the future of aviation lately. We've been talking about the sonic boom um, manufacturer. We've got multiple legacy carriers that have um, put in orders, put in you know money down for orders. What do you call it when you when you uh, you haven't really uh, made the product yet, but you're looking for money for it? Need money? Options? No, no, no. They call it like uh, when something's coming to market and you, and you put money down and it guarantees you'll get one. Layaway? <laughs> <laughs> Deposit? Oh, man. Anyway. Options? No, 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 no. It's something on the internet. Yeah. You, I get oh. stuff like that on Instagram all the time. Be a part of it when it comes out. You... Oh, crowdfunding? Crowdfunding or crowdsourcing? I, crowdsourcing? Uh, oh, yeah. IPO. Yeah. Initial uh, public offering. S-Pack. Uh, you guys are order. I think <laughs> it's called crowdfunding or crowdsourcing. But anyway. Oh. All right. So lately we've been talking about these, these you know, options for the technology that is just right around the corner for aviation and how everything we're, we're talking from biofuels to supersonic jets. We know that there are certain legacy carriers out there that have already put uh, millions of dollars down on deposits on orders uh, that's uh, kind of like crowdfunding for for airlines that they're they're gonna get you know options for when the first ones come out the technology might not be there yet or they haven't built one yet and it's still under the R&D uh, portion of that particular aircraft but they're getting in on the ground floor well I came across an article the other day that I really you know was excited about uh, because it is potentially something that could be the norm. Maybe we don't need Jet A anymore to fuel our aircraft. Could Jet A become obsolete in the near future? That's what we asked when reading an article from the Points Guy entitled, The Nuclear Power Hyper Sting Could Whisk Travelers from London to New York in 80 Minutes. Article by Matt Blake, posted on the 3rd of October. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. Imagine flying from London to New York for a lunch meeting and being home again in time for tea. Well, that could soon become a reality for transatlantic business travelers if one aviation designer gets his way. But don't pack your bags just yet. Spanish designer Oscar Viñas, or Viñalas, uh, claims he uh, claims his latest invention could spirit passengers across the Atlantic at three times the speed of sound, making the trip from Britain's capital to the Big Apple in less than 80 minutes flat. The theoretically named Hypersting would not only be twice as fast as London to New York record holder the Concord, which managed the route in two hours and 53 minutes, but it would almost be twice the size. At 328 feet long, the Hypersting would carry 130 to 170 passengers. In theory, it could reach a maximum speed of 2,664 miles per hour. 
The Concorde measured only 200 feet and could carry only 100 flyers and had a top speed of 1,354 miles an hour. Meanwhile, an average commercial aircraft currently flying at 460 to 575 miles an hour. So there's quite a big difference there. It would mean a trip to London and New York would take about as long as a subway ride from the Bronx to Brooklyn. But will it work? The aircraft's success as the fastest commercial passenger airplane in history lies firmly on the as-yet untested theory of cold fusion via a cold fusion nuclear reactor that would power two ramjet engines and four next-generation hybrid turbojets. Banal's claims that his vision for the new dawn of high-speed air travel would be capable of hitting Mach 3.5. Currently, such innovation technology is in the preserve of the military. The fastest aircraft ever to shoot through airspace is the now-retired North American X-15, which reached a face-melting speed of 4,520 miles an hour, or Mach 6.7. This happened on October 3rd, 1967, 55 years ago. When will it work? Among a number of questions that hang over the HyperSting's future is one about its financial viability. What are the production costs of such a jet, given the issue that ultimately led to the demise of the Concorde? Vanal, however, Vanal's, however, remains bullishly unburdened by the significant doubt over his idea from the aviation community. Uh, let's see here. He was quoted as saying, The Concord was a brilliant piece of machinery, a noble experiment, but it put too many emissions in the environment and too much noise over our communities and was too expensive to operate. The new era of supersonic flight might be just around the corner, but there are challenges to overcome when it comes to flying faster than the speed of sound. The hypersting is a new concept of future supersonic commercial airplanes, he added. He does admit, however, that supersonic flights will return, but in this case, due to some very innovative systems, like the cold fusion reactor, the date of a possible production would be over 2030, and the cost will not be cheap. Now, gentlemen, I have fantastic co-hosts today. And Captain Rob, you've got some experience with uh, military information, as does our own very Rob D. Scramjets, next-gen engines. Explain this to me. What does this all mean? Pretty much um, the, the future that you've seen, and it's already being uh, brought, brought out in uh, some movies and stuff like that, especially the latest one, Top Gun Maverick. Um, scramjet technology has been around since almost the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and today it's continued on it's utilizing atmospheric oxygen separating it into fuel and then burning it yourself so essentially you're a tankless engine utilizing atmosphere as fuel but i mean that's just awesome i mean it, you have a completely unlimited source of fuel available to you as long as your systems are operating and are able to compress your atmosphere and separation technology to get you to where you need to go. Um, so looking at the past of uh, uh, past base of nuclear cold fusion to hybrid mix into a jet engine into a new technology that won't be ready for at least another eight years 
to unproven and un-increased safety margins for nuclear, to me, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so it's a, it, yeah. we're, we're talking about far-reaching here. Yeah, in, in my opinion. Yeah, so I'm not going to be able to be a captain on one of these things? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. I doubt it. Highly doubt not it. Not at our company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always right. get the scraps, right? After every other company uh, yeah. gets an airplane, yeah. then we'll go, eh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Rob, uh, what did you, uh, did you ever see anything like that in your time no. as a crew chief? Or no, not technology? really. I mean, my time was, um, you know, the 117 was the the stealth airplane at the time. So, you know, that was all about um, stealth technology, radar absorbent materials and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, if you take a step back and, and just, you know, extrapolate some of the stuff from the article, you know, they talked about the X-15. Um, that was 55 years ago. Um, there's a lot of, you know, stuff that happens in secrecy that you don't find out for 10 to 15, 20 years down the road. Um, and, you know, come to realize that, you know, it's way more superior as far as speed, um, agility or whatever the case may be when it comes to aviation or even space technology. I mean, look at SpaceX and all that other stuff that's going on in, in, in that world, in the private uh, space world. Um, the advancements and some of the stuff that they're doing is just mind boggling to me. Um, so, you know, stuff that it, you know, when you, so when you bring all that into what we're, we're talking about today, you know, it, it sounds like it's, you know, something that's, um, you know, definitely doable, uh, but, you know, costs and practicality and, you know, is, is this going to be something that is going to be a, you know, benefit to, you know, the traveling public, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know if there's that enough, enough business to go that goes on between london and new york to justify something like this right now i mean of course i'm not in that industry anyway or you know i'm not in, in any kind of business as it is so you know it's it, i'm not going to spend somebody else's pay you know paycheck uh to do it but um you know it, it sounds pretty cool i mean it's something that's you know you look at stuff like the eighth uh you know what's the big airbus that's that everybody's getting rid of, rid of right now oh, like, the a380 yeah you know, it's like, you know, look at that side of it. You know, everybody wanted to build the biggest thing and all like it, it just didn't work out because of the practicality of it. Yeah. You know, they're talking about speed and, you know, you're talking about aviation fuel, maybe not needing it anymore. I, it's, I think it's going to be, be a while till we're at that point. You know, they're actually looking at, you know, the electric airplanes now, you know, everything being powered by batteries, which, the weight to, the weight ratio though with those uh, batteries, batteries and the, yeah. and the risk with yeah. the battery overtemp yeah. uh, is I think too far. The technology yeah. just isn't there but, yet. But it's it's an evolution though. You know, it's something that's you know you got to get through these stages to uh, yeah. you know to get to where you're going. Um, I think biofuels, I think it'll eventually happen, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think we'll ever pilot it or cap, of, be a captain of it. <laughs> what time frame are you looking? Are you looking? Yeah. At? Especially when yeah. you start talking about cold fusion and everything. If you just look at stuff like that, I mean, could is that something that could be used? Well, maybe, except even when you were just talking about electricity and batteries. I mean, we had that in our homes. We had that in our cars. And now it's making its way into aviation. This particular article went with cold fusion, which is something that's unproven in every 
in every facet of life and went right to aviation. I mean, aviation is going to be the last industry that's going to get any technology just because of the safety aspect of it. Is, yeah. is it something that could be could be worth looking at and could be doable? Well, I mean, sure. Like I say, I mean, a time frame is really what you're looking at, but we're not talking about something that's going to be in our lifetimes and certainly not something that Captain Tony is going to be able to experience. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I know. I but Roger, you, you, you raise a very good, good point. We're going to, if the cold fusion technology becomes practical, we're going to be powering our own, first, it'll start out small, you know, like a powering an air conditioning unit. You know, and then from there it'll go to powering cars, and then from there it'll go to powering houses and buildings, and and then industrial complexes, and then once the safety measures have been proven and statistically the data is in, then maybe we'll get into the public transportation of any kind. Buses. Just, trains, I mean, just the airplanes. aspect and thought of. I mean, cold fusion as a concept is changes the world. Well, you know, if Doc I mean, Brown could figure that, it out, what Come thirty on. years ago, I think the Saint, oh, yeah, Saint um, Val Kilmer, <laughs> Val, Val Kilmer, yeah, um, Elizabeth Shue, great movie, yeah. um, with the with the principle of cold fusion and how it could actually power everything with no, with r virtually no downsides. I mean, that's an earth shattering, changing technology. But yeah, I mean, applying it to aviation is going to be the last step, and we haven't even gotten it to power the air conditioner yet. Right. Right. But, you know, True. between that and uh, I think the biofuel is going to be a realistic next step. We've already seen United had a flight from, I believe it was Chicago O'Hare to, to Dulles, where uh, the left engine, I believe, was run on 100% biofuel and the right engine was run on traditional Jet A uh, with uh, Scott Kirby, CEO of United, uh, on board. Uh, and they did it. Uh, to prove that it was safe, the engines could run off it, and to remove the dependency on the petroleum products by using, uh, you know, those biofuels that you can grow. Um, that, I think, is more realistic in the near yeah. future, in the near term, for aviation than anything else. Because if you can lower that expense, that means profit profitability that is unheard of for the airline industry. and. Trust me, these, these executives know exactly what they're talking about when they're pushing this biofuel. Yeah, they can put it under the guise of global warming and environmentally friendly and all those little, you know, cutesy unicorns and rainbow statements that they put out to the press. But at the end of the day, it's all about those greenbacks and the dollar. So if they can turn a profit, lower their margins um, to the point where they're the profitability is there that's when it's going to happen and that's why it's going to happen so yeah if you want to invest in something i would invest in aviation biofuel well well what is ga avgas going for nate these days i don't know let's look it up uh yeah i couldn't tell you it's back when i started <laughs> I i'm guessing a lot of places it's probably seven to eight yeah, yeah. three dollars at the pump. I think I remember seeing actually. I can look in Arizona up, yeah. when we were going com, yeah. local fuel prices. Let's type in K O N T. And that was back when uh, car gas was dollar fifty two bucks. Yeah, one hundred so, double. Ooh, about I had nice. to look up a flight for Burbank. Okay, so I've got Burbank's information. Is that up. Jet fuel or nine dollars? Jet fuel nine dollars a gallon for hundred low lead. 
Nine dollars. Oh, yeah, Ontario's shit. eight seventy five, and Chino is uh, s- as low as self serve five dollars and eighty five cents. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's crazy. Self serve. Self serve five five eighty five for where is that? Chino. Yeah, that's pretty good. Down the street, cable's five sixty. That's the lowest. Self serve at Chino or Cable Airport. That's hmm. five miles from me. Yeah, I bet a lot of places it's between six and eight. Six, maybe six to seven. So the next uh, thing we, I know a lot of our listeners are interested about hearing about are these new financing options for student pilots. Now, these are nothing new. Uh, every once in a while, one of the legacy carriers says how they have financing options available because they're trying to attract people to, to get into their streamline or their pipeline uh, for pilots. Now, we we had a little bit of fluctuation. I know uh, in this month of November, I believe, uh, or December, they're not going to have a, a new hire class over at Legacy. I, if I, did I read that's that correctly? Correct. Um, I don't know if yeah. that's just because they're running behind. They don't have enough instructors and simulators and things like that. Um, or, or what the deal is. Or maybe it's just a holiday thing. I don't know. Uh, I remember that they were saying they were going to hire an exorbitant amount of pilots this year. In the year 2022, I don't know if they've even come close to those numbers, um, but I don't think so. Now, how does that translate to those listeners out there that are working on their private, or maybe they're a CFI somewhere, building time, getting their 1,500 hours so that they can come on to a, an airline carrier and start their career? Well, American Airlines adds new financing options for student pilots, according to an article by Stephen Walker from Simply Flying. And again, I'll put a link in the show notes. The world's largest airlines look to attract more future pilots to its cadet academies. The cost of training to be a pilot is notoriously expensive, but American Airlines is keen for this not to be a barrier to aspiring pilots. The carrier has teamed up with American Airlines Credit Union to provide additional financing options for students accepted onto its cadet training program. Since its inception in the year 2018, nearly 600 cadets have joined the American Airlines Cadet Academy, of which 60 have already graduated from the program. Upon completion, pilots can interview for a first officer position at one of American Airlines' wholly owned regional carriers, Envoy Air, PSA, or Piedmont, before eventually progressing to the mainline carrier itself. The new financing options will provide more aspiring pilots a unique opportunity to enter the flying profession and go on to be a part of what is the world's largest airline by passengers carried and fleet side. Diversifying the pilot profession is important to American. That's why the training programs at American Airlines Cadet Academy cost in the region of $90,000 as part of the dedicated financing program provided by the credit union. Loans of up to $120,000 will be available with low fixed and variable rate options. And they're designed to cover all expenses, including housing and stipend costs. That's where I put up a red flag and a warning. We'll talk about Mm. that. Opening up uh, the profession to a wider demographic is important to American Airlines and providing suitable financing options to access its Cadet Academy is one way it can achieve this. Christina Flores, Managing Director of Aviation Recruiting and Programs, said, Our work to grow and diversify the pilot profession is well underway. A critical part of that effort 
is our commitment to find more innovative ways to reach young aspiring aviators and support them financially and through mentorship on their path to a career in aviation. So the article goes on. I won't uh, bore you with all the details, but you know, as the travel recovers from the pandemic worldwide, the industry sources predict that demand for pilots are going to continue to grow significantly over the coming years and the airlines risk facing pilot shortage. Well, guess what? Just wait for Christmas, guys. Uh, in, investing in training and recruitment and removing some of the financial barriers to aspiring pilots are all critical to keeping the supply of pilots flowing. Now, when we talk about diversifying, what they're saying without saying is that traditionally, those that have the financial means and they aspire to be a pilot can do it because you know, whatever reason, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they're able to help. Maybe they can afford student loans because they have a previous career and a job and they have, maybe they own a house and, a, and they have a family and they have collateral to get loans and they can start a career. But when you start looking at the ethnic communities and the demographics and the financial resources that are statistically unavailable, that's where you have hurdles in diversity. We've actually heard this many times, even through some of our past guests on this show. I, I mean, I can remember uh, Adelia was talking about all the hurdles that she had financially yeah. um, and, and being a, a female trying to break into this industry and some of the terrible advice that she got throughout her journey. And you know, we were all sitting here shocked with our jaws dropped going, they, they told you what? Um, yeah, so, shocking. And, and all of us have daughters. Uh, yeah. So, you know, to hear that as a as a father, as a dad, it kind of hits you in the gut and you don't ever want your kids to have these hurdles. So we here at Squawk Ident always try to encourage all of the listeners out there. If you're listening and and regardless of what you think might be hopeless, you gotta try. There are options now for finances. Now I, I said red flag earlier, and I just before I, I release this out to you guys for your input. I want to talk about that. I had the opportunity to go to a flight farm, flight school uh, in Arizona that 10 months from zero to hero, right? And they said, oh, you're going to get a loan. You can't work because it's seven days a week and you'll never know your schedule. And we're preparing you for the airlines. And, and, but here, take out this loan and here's some extra that you should, you have to take out. You just have to do it because you're going to have living expenses. And then you need a stipend for, you know, be able to, to get things and food and stuff. And, and I was like, Whoa, okay. And I was young and kind of naive and I fell into that trap. Now I am very happy to announce that in the past few months, finally, after close to 20 years, my student loan is no more. It's hey, dude. God. That, that, that's a mountain that all oh. of us had to climb, man. That's congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> we just paid ours off like three years ago. Yeah. So it's been a while for me, too. I mean, it's pretty much the same track. And it's a heavy burden to have that check go out every yeah. month. And, you know, here you're all. And I like, didn't even have that much. Yeah. I mean, it starts yeah. out that way, but then over time, yeah. you know, it, it kind of. Interest. It's like, am I ever going to pay this the off? The other thing, too, right. is they don't, they're not very crystal clear about it. And you don't really, you know, all you, you're interested in at the time, at least in, in my mind, because I'm a, an idiot this way. So don't be like me, folks, um, is you're applying for the loan because you're trying to get, 
you know, your flight training in, you need money, you need finances for it, but you don't pay attention to like the real details of the loan. And my loans weren't federal loans. My mine either. Yeah. You know, like you get at a university or, you know, probably right. you get it from Emory Riddle or, um, you know, Purdue and all that other places. But some of these places like the pilot factories that you talk about, I don't believe those are federal loans. I think those are just regular. They're private student loans, private which will follow loans. you. So, yeah. you know, you, you miss out on a lot of, you know, possible you know, differences that, that could benefit you. Like, I mean, not that I, I not that I was, uh, all for this any, um, because it, it, somebody has to pay for it and eventually the taxpayers did, but those, fe- those federal loans that just got paid off by, you know, our government, I mean, none of those things qualified for that. Right. So anyway, I don't want to get, go down that yeah, road. We can go but. down the whole slippery <laughs> slope of what I heard what people I mean, have though. done. Yeah. To get rid of their loans, but yeah, it's it's a huge burden, and you think, yeah. oh, I, I got to get it done because it's seniority based the uh, uh, career field, and I got to get in there. Um, but if you are not careful, you need to be frugal. I mean, you got to save up money for your kid's college tuition, right? And student yeah. loans, <laughs> you know, as good as they are to get you in the door and get that training done, you got to, you know, your priority should be paying those things off immediately. Don't sit there and go, well, I don't have to pay it back until I get a job at an airline. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rob. Well, here's one thing. I'm looking at, at our American Airlines website, and there's n- not a lot of information. There's none, as a matter of fact. I've been, this whole time you've been talking, mm-hmm. I've been trying to look up cadet program, uh, oh. student loan. N- uh, there's nothing. Yeah, Kyle would have um, been a great host to have on I'm the show sure today. I'm sure they have it in, if you go to like their flight, uh, flight school, you know, they yeah. probably have that stuff on their websites. But if you go to like the American Airlines, there's nothing here that even talks about. Well, I'm sure that uh, they partially with it from an American Airlines standpoint or from a legacy airline standpoint. Um, that probably on the mainline side of things, there's not going to be a lot of information on the the cadet programs because I I doubt that the people that are searching for that information and then need that information are are going to, to legacy websites. Yeah. The, the website is aacadetacademy.com. See, but that's the thing. I'm that's, that's the point I'm trying to make is that if you're trying to go into the industry and you have no, you know, no connections at all, you know, you see an airplane that says American Airlines on it, you're probably going to go to American Airlines website and say, how do I fly for American Airlines? And there's nothing in there that says, oh, we have a cadet program for, from zero to hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you click on it, it says pilots for careers, it takes you to the pilot credentials website uh-huh. that <laughs> makes you apply for a pilot. Yeah, I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's aacadetacademy.com, at least the American Airlines one. I know United has one as well, Delta as well. Um, yeah. So they all, they all, you just have to kind of dig a little bit. And, yeah. you know, my, my advice is, you know, dig into it and start making emails and phone calls. Um, and you can find out about it. The, mm-hmm. the AA Cadet Academy, which we were, we've been talking about it from this article, uh, it launched in 2018 and it's partnered with CAE in Arizona and Coast Flight in Texas and in California, that's a, the name of their flight academy, Coast Flight, to provide students with the training, financing, and mentor uh, opportunities required to become a pilot. Um, you can also 
contact those organizations and find out a little bit more about the cadet program. Uh, if you send the show here at Squawk Ident an email through our website uh, and you are inquiring about the Cadet Academy, um, I will find a link, I will find an email, and I will I'll get that back to you. Just uh, send us an email privately and we'll, we'll do our best to get you the information out there as a listener. Um, the programs are there. Uh, you just have to, it's hard to get into them. Uh, we've, we've actually had an episode. Uh, it was a relatively long episode on the cadet program. We had one of the recruiters on the show. It was about a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Uh, and we talked about what they're looking for. Uh, we actually had some cadets on the show with us. We should probably do a follow-up, I think, uh, for a future show to see their progress and see if they're actually flying the line now. Uh, they probably are. So, yeah, uh, there are financing programs out there. Now, Roger, you were talking about interest rates and, and how that's kind of become an issue. What did you mean by that? Well, I get, I mean, I guess I just, I don't know a lot about this because I'm fortunate enough that I'm, I'm past this stage and I'm fortunate enough that the cost of, of getting your pilot certificate when I did it is a whole lot less than, or was a whole lot less than it is now. Yeah. And I, you know, from an interest rate perspective, I wonder about that on every level that there is more so related to, and you guys probably have thought about this to a, a substantial degree as well, but for my kids, you know, living where three of us here today live in Southern California, how are my kids going to be able to, to do all this stuff? Um, because the costs of things have increased and, and the cost of borrowing money while historically low for about the last decade, you know, is now going up and now we're borrowing larger sums of money and specific to this particular topic um, in aviation, the same thing is going to happen. And so my, I guess my um, recommendation to a lot of people, I think that there's more programs that are coming out like the, the quote unquote ab initio programs where airlines or some sponsor, but primarily airlines are going to actually you know, pay for a majority of your training, because as soon as I hear the word finance, I mean, you know, Tony, you brought up danger. Finance to me screams danger. You are getting yourself into a hole before you even started. And I think yeah. that there are an increasing amount of airlines worldwide, both domestically and internationally, um, that are actually looking at this going, if we want to have anybody to fly for us, we are going to need to help these people because otherwise our bottom line is going to be hurt. And just like whether it's scramjets, biofuels or pilots, in the end, the almighty dollar is what's going to, to dictate what any of these airlines are going to do. If you can get into a JetBlue program, because I think that JetBlue had one um, I just read something maybe two weeks ago that Mesa Airlines is buying a whole bunch of airplanes and then renting them out for like $25 an hour or something in order what? to, um, so it looks like judging from Tony's re um, reaction, I'll, I'll send you a, the article on that. Cause I just, yeah. I was briefly looking at it and I'll send it to you. Um, and then basically it's this pipeline to get you into, in this case, Mesa Airlines. I'm I mean, if you're going to do these kinds of programs, you are going to need to sign some paperwork um, because it's not like you can just do, you know, we'll just, I'll just use a Mesa program. I doubt you're going to be able to sign paperwork and, and get all these benefits of a Mesa program and then jump ship and go fly it sky West um, or whatever. Um, just as an example. 
Mm-hmm. But um, you get anything that you can do to avoid that word finance, I think is going to help help young budding aviators because things in life now are just, I mean, it's, it's insane how much things cost and the cost of borrowing that money, that cost of financing is going to um, really become a hindrance. And, you know, while all three of these people sitting here with me today, will will love to go on their soapbox about getting paid more, paid more, paid more. You know, a lot of that money is then going to then get siphoned off to making those student loan payments, like Tony just said, for not one year or five years, but you're talking decades. And because, um, like I say, when you start talking about borrowing a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars, which is what it's going to take for a lot of people now, and you're paying seven to ten to maybe even fifteen percent on those loans, I mean that's a that's going to be an eye-opening, sobering, depressing um, experience. And so again, like I say, I think that there, I think now and in the future, there'll be more programs that are, are probably offering, um, programs that they're, that they're footing a a more of that cost just because if we want to get people in these flight decks in another decade or two, you know, people aren't going to be able to afford it if we don't help them. And that's, and I guess that's just my two cents. Admittedly, it's a somewhat uneducated two cents, but the, just the whole concept of financing with interest rates doing what they're doing now is, uh, it scares me for, for me to a small degree, for my kids to a huge degree, and for all the budding aviators out there, it kind of by extension. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's a good point. And Captain Rob, uh, you know, your training came from many of our our previous guests talked about how they either joined the air national guard or you know they were in the air force or they went through some kind of military training which really you know you're you're giving yourself to the service of our country and i just want to stop for a moment and say first off thank you for your service um you know it's always an honor to, to speak with you uh, both about your past and, and the military time you spent and your whole family for that matter. Um, but that training that you get from it is just so valuable. You know, you're, you're serving your country, you do it because you're, you're there to serve, but you're getting a lot of training if you can get into an aviation program like you did. Did you see any financial burdens like some of the civilian uh, private pilot or trainers there there definitely is um and i'll 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 say it from the standpoint of it's not necessarily monetarily um downsides to it uh not to say that sacrifice to the service of one nation isn't isn't uh, something awesome to to be able to do it doesn't crew its risks um Mm. there there are times when stuff has to be done and you Cross your fingers and <laughs> you hope yeah. you come back. Right. I mean, it's few and far between, but there are some of those times that it's we know about the risks. We'll get it done, and you go, "Yes, sir," or "Yes, ma'am." We'll do our best, and uh, and you press forward with that. So the challenges are a little bit different. Um, the skill set is—I don't want to say different or the same. But uh, the level of responsibility thrust upon young aviators is immense. 
um, especially at young, young training levels and definitely builds up your confidence level and builds everything into uh, the profession that aviation does create. Yeah. Not necessarily high speed, but definitely uh, someone that's always thinking about all the realms of possibilities, all the options available to them, and to be able to make a decision where one needs to be made. Um, so military side, you don't incur the financial responsibilities. Uh, however, uh, you do incur a lot more other uh, unknowns mm-hmm. and possibilities that uh, that 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 won't dissuade you from doing stuff, but just uh, a, a just different uh, path to get to the same result. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, unfortunately there's no such thing as a free lunch. And especially correct. when you're talking about, you know, this, the expertise and the, the skill it requires to get to the point to fly an airliner is not cheap. Just like the, the cost, you know, with, with ticket prices, I always kind of rolled my eyes even now, even though I'm not in, you know, an airline pilot, you know, the ticket prices, like, do you, do, do the, does the general public have any idea just how much money it takes to get an airplane into the air? It's no. just, it's yeah. not a cheap no. thing. It's not something that, that un- unfortunately the world is not fair and not everyone's going to be able to afford it. But it, I mean, in order to get a plane into the air costs an immense amount of money. Yeah. There's not a lot of margin either. There's not. Yeah. Nope. Well, like, like we were talking about uh, just the, the, the price of fuel alone. Um, yeah. Our One of our C-level people have said that for, what is it, for every penny of jet fuel, it's $40 million a year. Yeah. The operating budget increases. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so well, every penny, any penny more that we pay for fuel is... Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And, yeah. and thankfully, uh, at the time being, we haven't been doing the fuel surge pricing or additional fuel surcharge uh, <laughs> for our ticket pricing. But uh, when the next round of uh, economic analysis comes around and where we have to make the proper ticket adjustments, it's going to be for that fuel surcharge. It yeah. really yeah. will be. Yeah, I highly yeah. recommend that everyone buy a ticket today because, you know, we're 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 spending more <laughs> than ever. We're spending more yeah. than ever on on paying for pilots, right? At the regional level, especially, these guys are you know walking on the street making six figures within a year or two. It's it's amazing with all these bonuses they're getting. Now the flight attendants are getting more rest, which which as we heard the uh, the president of the flight attendant union uh, say that they're just going to have to hire more flight attendants, which means more expense. Well, that. And now fuel costs and operating expenses and all this stuff. Guess who's going to pay for that? It's not going to come out of the wallets of the executives or the company or the shareholders. It's going to be coming out of the customer. They're going to have to pay more to fly in the future. It just, it's just inevitable. Yeah. And now with inflation, what is it? Six, six point six and a half, uh, up to 8% increase in inflation this year. Yeah. yeah. Those ticket prices are going to go up quite a bit so buy your ticket now yeah yeah <laughs> well, Good idea. it's also it's also one I, I also implore people to kind of do the math as well uh, i mean just from a standpoint of if you're flying on an rj with 75 seats multiply your fare by 75 what do you think the pilots are getting paid what do you think the flight attendants are getting paid how much is gas how long is the flight how long is the ground crew getting paid right how much for the mechanics how much is the payment on the aircraft what's the insurance and you go 
that's only one flight on one day at this time frame and going, how are they even in business? Landing yeah. fees, gate yep. fees, Landing fees, you know, all yep. this operational planes. expenses. Uh, planes do not make money on the ground. And who, they got to no. turn that thing and get it in the air. The people that yeah. run the website, the people that run all the apps and the technology and all that equipment that it takes. Credit card sales. <laughs> well, we have a, a fantastic opportunity for you today on this flight. For, <laughs> you can get 50,000 bonus points or bonus miles. <laughs> if I hear that PA one we're, more time, we're just airline, one more time. We're a credit card company with airplanes, you know? Well, that, well that's when I press and hold the PA button and you get the loud and annoying nice well done well played play. nice segue <laughs> that was fantastic <laughs> that was fantastic thank you it all comes together in the end <laughs> speaking of old man uh do you know who the key players in your industry are and i think it's important you know we talked about uh interview strategies uh, recently on, on a couple shows ago, we were talking about, hey, before you go for an interview, know who the CEO is, know who the, 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 the IT person is, or the, the chief operating officer, the financial officer, the, the, all, all these positions in the company, know it, know the stock price. But that doesn't, you know, mean anything about me flying an airplane. Well, yeah, we know this, but if you really want to work for a company, do your homework, do your due diligence so that when you go for that interview, you might pass the technical portion like flying colors. And really, what are they looking for? Do you have the minimum requirements uh, of flight time and experience? Yes, you do. All right, check. Uh, do you have a good personality? Can I, can I sit next to you on a trip and not want to kill you? Are you an asshole? I mean, this is really what they're looking for. And if the answer is, you know, that you have a good personality, okay, check. Then they want to see if you came prepared. And it would just, can you imagine how, how it would suck if you technically were proficient? If you passed a sim event and you got through all of it, and then in the HR portion, they ask you who the CEO is of the company, and you're like, I don't know. Oh, thank you for coming in today. You can try again in six months. I mean, that would suck. So knowing this stuff for an interview is important. But I wanted to go beyond that. Do you know who the key players are in your industry? Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned I didn't even know that we had a new acting administrator for the FAA. Now, does that affect me directly? No, not really. But it's probably a good idea to kind of know who these people are. They're pretty important. Everybody knows uh, Buttigieg. You know, the transportation secretary. Hey, that's great. He's on the news like every other day talking about this and that with, with aviation and with the railways and all this stuff. And that's great. By the way, my hat's off to the uh, railway workers for their contract. Now that uh, the Legacy Airlines uh, union has come back and they're like, oh, here, the company wants to introduce this. I'm like, I'll tell you what, why don't you look at the gains that the uh, railway workers were able to get. Let's make that the starting point before we start talking about what we're going to add on to that as airline yeah. pilots. Yeah. But I'm not there, neither here nor there for that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so who I is agree. the FAA acting administrator, Billy Nolan, right? The Federal Aviation Administration announced that the air industry veteran, Billy Nolan, has been named to serve as acting administrator when the agency's outgoing chief, Steve Dixon, stepped down. Uh, and this happened uh, at the end of the month back in March of this year. Uh, Nolan uh, will move from, uh, let's see here. This is kind of old article. Let me see how I can fix it. 
Nolan moved into the uh, interim administrative role from his position as the FAA's associate administrator, administrator for aviation safety, which he assumed in January of this year. In that role, Nolan had overseen a team of over 7,600 employees responsible for the complete span of aviation safety concerns. Nolan previously worked for several commercial airlines and served tours of duty in the U.S. Army as an airplane and helicopter pilot and safety officer. Billy Nolan has extensive expertise in aviation and a deep understanding of the vital role that the FAA plays in ensuring the safety of the traveling public. Uh, quote from uh, Mr. Buttigieg. Uh, we are grateful to have Steve for his service and to Billy and Brad for stepping up to the lead the FAA during this critical time. Now, what does this all mean to us as airline pilots? Well, it really, do you know the guy who's kind of in charge of making all the, the rules? The last, you know, where the buck stops? Well, Billy is very... Um, Let's just say he's on LinkedIn a lot. He likes to post videos. Uh, he had one here from the ICAO assembly, the 41st ICAO assembly that happened earlier in the year. Let's just hear a little bit about what he had to say. Billy here, coming to you from the 41st International Civil Aviation Organization Assembly in Montreal. I'm here this week with Secretary Pete, Deputy Secretary Trottenberg, and other FAA and DOT officials. We've reinforced our commitment to global collaboration on aviation safety and sustainability, and also advancing innovative technologies. The FAA strongly values our safety partnership with ICAO. As safe as aviation is today, we should not and we cannot declare victory. We will continue to lead as the gold standard. We've been discussing emerging technologies and new entrants. The next era of aviation is dawning. That is why we are working to expand the safety partnership we have, whether it's for commercial airlines, space vehicles, or air taxis. Climate change and the need for the global aviation community to take action dominated much of the conversation here. For the first time, the U.S. has all the pieces it needs to transition to sustainable aviation fuel. It is absolutely key in getting the U.S. aviation system to net zero emissions by 2050. And then the video cuts out. We know which direction he's going. His public videos that he's been putting out on LinkedIn and other social media platforms have all been revolving around how the FAA is a cleaner, gentler organization that is really looking at global warming and biofuels and net zero carbon emissions. But as we mentioned earlier, at the end of the day, it all comes down to dollars and cents. So can we make yep. it all work and not get culture canceled or however you want to call it? So, <laughs> but now we know a little bit uh, you know, minute and a half video or soundbite from the FAA administrator, acting administrator, and the direction he's pushing. So the next time you read a little something about the FAA, we at least have an idea of the direction that they're moving towards. Do you know the direction that your company is moving towards? I personally have a LinkedIn account, 
and I follow the CEO, the, the CFO of my company on LinkedIn. Why? Because I think that it's important to know where they're coming from so that when we get an email that's some kind of pocket email that to make it all sound real and fine and dandy and try to get us to vote a certain way or, or come up with some kind of agreement, I can at least have a more educated, well-rounded understanding of what's really going on, at least to the best of my ability. Do you guys follow any of our CEOs or anyone else in the industry? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, United's, Delta's, Americans, just kind of, because you can kind of see it from, uh, you know, their point of view, like you said, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, on yeah. some things. And a lot of it's not really groundbreaking stuff that I see, but um, yeah, just well, stay in the loop. Well, staying in the loop for number one, but at the same time, um, just because one guy is going to have a great idea, the rest are going to follow. So if you yeah, can get a pulse true. on what's going on of where they're leaning towards, mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of begin to formulate opinions because I mean, we're, we're in an industry where they do travel as well. They'll pop their head into the cockpit or flight yep. deck and I can close the door and sit them down and go, Hey, talk to me about this. Yeah. 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 And actually, yeah, I yeah. think they actually encourage that because you know, when you, when yeah. they sit there and they go, Oh, there's the CEO. Look, look, he's walking in the yeah. terminal yeah. versus you know, hey, uh, what's going on? Hey, Peter, you know, what's going on? Or, or whatever, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah. My salad sucked this time. Can you fix it? Oh, come on. <laughs> I had three moldy strawberries on my crew meal. What the hell's going on around here? Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not going to eat this. You want my cheese plate? <laughs> <laughs> you got any mustard in that tooth pocket? Wow, and Roger hasn't even broken his... Yeah. <laughs> his I'm game. letting Sold. this part go. I mean, I, and I, you know, I have a slightly different... I don't know, outlook or what I look for on my, from my side. I mean, generally speaking, like from a CEO, CFO, I don't, I don't follow any of the legacy airlines. I always look at it from in terms of doing part 91, like our regulations are, there's not a whole lot of changes within the part 91 world. Those have been pretty much the regulations for, I don't know, decades and they're not really changing, but because it is part 91, everything is always changing from a job, job to job standpoint. There's always, there's this kind of this saying that no, no 91 job lasts forever. It's just a matter of when it's not if it's when. And so it's kind of keeping a pulse on the industry as a general you know, you guys negotiate, have a, have a union that negotiates pay for an entire pilot group or, um, or even, you know, multiple unions or, or really one big union that, that does a lot of stuff for a whole lot of pilots. You know, we just kind of are, you know, we're a group of six or a group of eight. Um, are we getting paid similarly, similarly to what the guy down the street is making? Because all that needs to be done on our own behalf. Um, so that's kind of what I kind of keep track of, you know, what is a con, what is a daily rate for a contract pilot? Um, how much does training cost? Something that you guys probably don't really ever think about how much is the cost of your recurrent training? Do you know, you know, that's something that I kind of have to keep track of because, you know, if you do go your own, your own way and become a contract pilot, you're now responsible for the cost of your own training. And so that's yeah. going to then dictate into how much you're going to charge on a daily rate, because it, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to get, 
if you're going to shell out $50,000 for recurrent training, you're starting $50,000 in the hole before you even work. Mm-hmm. And so it's those kind of, those kind of general questions that I do that, that I more pay attention to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and then the things that directly affect me, you know, I don't follow, follow him, but you know, I just visited him yesterday. My AME, man, I, you think about it. And that guy is, has more dictation over my entire career than anyone else in my life. Oh, so totally. True. Yeah, totally. It's it's like, I try not to talk to him, see him, follow him, do anything. But at the same time, that's the guy that has the more say than over anything else in my entire life, because it's what, you know, my ability to provide for my family rests on. And, you know, maybe that's a little close because I I did. Thankfully, I'm good to work for another year um, (laughs) because I just went yesterday. But, um, you know, that definitely... I think about that guy yeah. sometimes, you know, every time yeah. dude, when that OLD flares up, am I dying? <laughs> this is, how is, is this going to affect my medical? A is, am I dying? Yeah. Am I going to be able to work? You know, the, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the two things that come up right off the bat. That's right. You know, uh, in the last show, we introduced a new segment called Where in the World is Captain Keith? Now, Captain Keith Wolzinger, he was on our uh, show a while back. Uh, he's a podcaster, a triple seven captain. Uh, we learned all about his journey in aviation. Just go back if you're interested, if you haven't, if you're new to the show and you haven't heard that episode yet. Great episode. Um, and he has a podcast uh, that he, uh, Keith, come on, just record a new one. It's only been a few years. Let's do it. Um, he travels around the world for his job, for his career, and he likes to frequent on these long layovers overseas. He likes to frequent some of these music spots, and he would interview musicians from around the world. Uh, I really found it so interesting. The world of klezmer music, actually. And um, last last week, or a couple weeks ago, whenever we recorded the last podcast, actually it was a, more than that, but um, he sent in a video on his layover in Milan, Italy. And we just we just really enjoyed seeing his layover. They're so different than our layovers, you know, being over in, in Europe. Well, where in the world is Captain Keith today? Yeah, well, Captain Keith's in Germany. Yeah, he's in Frankfurt. And he has sent me a little something. I haven't even seen it yet. Let's find out. Hello again, Squawk Ident friends. Captain Keith here. This time coming to you from my layover in Frankfurt, Germany, where we lay over in the town of Mainz. Mainz is an old town with lots of quaint streets, exquisite architecture, fountains, and a lovely day like this. People were out walking their dog, and everybody was out just enjoying the day. First order of business, though, was stopping off for some coffee. My choice at the little coffee shop here was an espresso to get started. And after espresso, of course, the next thing to do in Germany is stop for the pretzel stand. Taking in a pretzel, lots of varieties, and we continue walking on toward the riverbank. Lots of gardens, parks, and again, some more great architecture on the way down to the river. Here we see the Gutenberg Museum building, very nice. And walk through one more park, and then we arrive at the river. So this is the Rhine River, one of the main rivers in Germany. And we'll take it back, walking through this town square once again. And some more of the cobblestone streets. 
and stop again for another cappuccino at another coffee stand. Oh, looks so good. Before we moved onward to dinner, where uh, chicken snitchel is the order of the day. Ooh. And I'm also a train nut, so we had to stop at the train station and look at some trains going by. This is a high-speed inner-city train called the ICE, or they call it the ICE. And one more local commuter train pulling out on its way somewhere. And the last thing I'll show you is the ringing of the church bells. Well, that's my layover in Mainz, Germany. Hope you get to visit one day and have you along on a trip. Auf Wiedersehen. That was cool. There you go. Wide body. I know, right? Well, Rob, you were, you were on the 7576 for a while, and you yep. were doing pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah, it was pretty nice. <laughs> Not going to lie. Yeah. What's your favorite layover <laughs> uh, overseas? Uh, Montevideo, Uruguay. Uruguay. And Uruguay. Uh, why, why is that your favorite? Uh, time zone changes, minimal. Uh, still very European, but it's also South American. So a little combination of everything. Um, you get a taste of Europe in South America, eight hours flying, only two hour time change. Um, good exchange rate and, uh, and easy to come right back. Um, I mean, North Atlantic flying in the maps is, uh, it's pretty cool, but a lot of stuff can go wrong very quickly. Mm. Um, south america a lot more options available to you <laughs> wow yeah and and i i don't know if you have uh heard when i last month was it i went to Suriname my first time nice. and it's, i always go through the bid packet every month uh, yeah. and before i bid i look to see if there's any location that i've never been to and if that's the case i will bid it and for whatever yeah. reason i've been called as an international airbus pilot occasionally they'll put something like that that traditionally was on a different type of airplane and they'll throw mm -hmm. it in the bid packet for a month or two or maybe it was in a different base um, and they'll throw it in the Los Angeles base and so I was able to do that you know Dutch colony over in Suriname South America kind of same similar thing out of Miami um, but yeah I, I can only imagine I really look forward to doing that kind of flying uh, in the future yeah. um, I know uh, Captain Keith, by the way, thank you so much for saying that to me. Um, you know, I, I told him yesterday that we were going to be filming uh, or recording uh, another podcast. And if he had another audio to send me from one of his layovers, that if, you know, that'd be fantastic. I'll, I'll uh, put it in the show. And he's there now. And he was able to put a little video together. Uh, again, I, I, I eventually will get it up on YouTube. <laughs> As, uh, yeah. Time is... Uh, fleeting very very quickly here in, in the uh, the household of the aviator tony uh but yeah eventually i'll get all that stuff on youtube so that the the viewers from the youtube channel can can see uh really cool stuff and thank you so much for putting that together uh, on such quick notice uh, captain keith thank you um and you know captain rob thank you for for sharing your experiences also those are so cool to hear and it kind of motivates us pilots like like rob and i 
that have been flying now for the mainline carrier for what four or five years and you know been doing kind of the same flying over and over again it's kind of starting to get a little bit routine and to hear those kind of experiences really does make us appreciate the job I'll definitely say, given the option, uh, Rob, you're, you're Texas-based. Uh, you get the opportunity to go down to Lima. I'm domestic, so I don't do any of that stuff. You will pretty here pretty soon because they're they're combining everything. Yeah. But I mean, the besides the all night flying down and back uh, to Lima, um, that's a very close second um, yeah. to favorite destinations. Yeah, I spent a lot of money in Lima. I bought a lot of alpaca, yeah. <laughs> baby alpaca. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just uh, an awesome place to go. Um, yeah. Cool. Talk you really say. Yeah. And, uh, and Captain yeah. Keith, every time I see him, he's like, when are you coming to the 777? Like, to be a FOB? <laughs> Whenever a some, when it, a few of you guys retire, we'll make it there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got to get going. All right. Go Padres. What? Go Padres. Go Padres! Are you, is your son home from school? Is he gonna have to clean up his room now? No, he's no. He gets out in another hour and a half. Uh, okay. Well, you know, You're gonna go, go easy on him. What was that? I'll go easy on him. <laughs> All right, yeah, uh, have fun with the new cat. Yeah. Oh yes, I'll I'll take and send you a picture of of Mia Tony. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's great to join you again. I appreciate it. Go Padres! <laughs> later roger <laughs> thanks right. roger take care guys rob good to see you again man always pleasure all right take care so yes well now that the uh the legacy airline that we work for the three of us work for um has put in order and we have you know hard orders coming in of the new airbus a321 xlr extra long range um there is going to be some international flying uh done i i probably am guessing they're gonna go out of charlotte i can't see them really going anywhere else charlotte to maybe iceland or uh, who knows where philly's well so what i've heard of philly yeah yeah so i don't know if i want to trek across country to pick up a flight that goes you know but hey the opportunities are there yeah well the final thing i wanted to talk about uh on a positive note that every year in october we're allowed to wear a tie that is different than the normal uniform tie. And, and I know at Legacy Airlines, they're pretty strict about it. They used to be a lot more relaxed, but now they're like, oh, you got to wear the uniform tie, no you know, novelty ties. You can only wear like a Christmas tie or a Thanksgiving tie on those days. Now, I, I don't know the exact dates that you're allowed to wear holiday ties, but for the entire month of October, if you participate uh, in... The Stand Up to Cancer organization, you can purchase a pink tie. And I've been wearing my pink tie. I always uh, contribute every year. It's, it's the least I can do. I have friends, I have coworkers and pilots that have struggled with cancer. And it does affect your ability to fly. Um, we will soon have on the show uh, a returning guest who will tell us all about his experiences. I'm excited about that. Uh, Captain Kevin. Uh, Looking forward to that. Uh, but it's a, it's a very, very serious thing that is just really, it's becoming more and more prevalent, I think. I mean, keep, like every other day I hear, hey, did you hear about this person? Did you hear about that person um, coming down with cancer? Um, I have my, one of my good friends' wife just 
got uh, the notice that she went through her treatment and she is now cancer free. So congratulations um, to Joanna. Congratulations. Um, but it's it's been nearly six years that American Airlines has been partnering up with Stand Up to Cancer, and it has made its uh, single largest donation. In American actress and singer Mandy Moore joined American Airlines and SU2C to launch this year's campaign. We can do great things when we stand together. With support from American Airlines, Stand Up to Cancer is closer than ever before to achieving its mission to make every cancer patient into a long-term survivor. Through this incredible collaboration, we are pushing cancer research to new heights. Doctors and scientists, American Airlines team members, patients and their families all working and standing up to move progress forward. So get on board and stand up to cancer with us. When you make a donation of $25 or more to stand up to cancer, you'll receive 25 bonus American Airlines Advantage miles for every dollar donated. When you use your American Airlines Advantage MasterCard credit card to make a donation between $25 and $10,000, you'll get 50 bonus American Airlines Advantage miles for every dollar you give until $1 million has been donated. Go to standuptocancer.org slash American Airlines. Since the beginning, its support of SU2C in 2016, American has raised $13.5 million to support the Research Center's mission to make every cancer patient a survivor. This year's donation is the largest single contribution the airline has made to SU2C. In the six years that American Airlines has partnered with them, the research has contributed to six new FDA-approved treatments for cancer. Rusty Robinson, co-founder of Stand Up to Cancer, reiterated SU2C's gratitude for American Airlines' support of its work. And if you are in any of the airports that American Airlines services and you look up on some of the reader boards behind the gates, you'll see our very own Captain Kevin Elmore standing right next to Mandy Moore. <laughs> and I've been meaning to ask him, dude, is that photoshopped or were you really standing next to Mandy Moore? Because <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, I'll yeah. put a link in the show notes for this particular article from Simply Flying Magazine. Yes, our very own Kevin is standing right there next to her. You can watch the little YouTube video. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's very important. Uh, if you have the ability, now every... Airline pilot in the country is making enough money where they can at least give like 20, 25 bucks. My very own brother-in-law's name is on the uh, stand-up to cancer livery. I made a donation when that airplane was being designed and came out. Uh, first time I flew that airplane was pretty cool. Um, I FaceTimed my entire family when I did the walk around. It took me a while to figure out where the name was. When you look at it from afar, it has the Stand Up to Cancer uh, logo on the side of the Airbus A321. And the letters are actually made up of all the names of either cancer survivors or people who have died from cancer or have had cancer or what have you. Um, and all the employees had an opportunity with a small donation that they could put a loved one's name in there and they send you an email showing you the aircraft with a little circle on the fuselage to show you where your name of your loved one is and so i had 
you know, at least a guide. It took me a while, but I found it, FaceTime the whole family. Everybody was in tears. Um, yeah. And it just, what a just sobering experience to, to fly, to be at the controls of an airplane like that. Um, and it's just a gesture, really, but it means a lot to so many. So I just want to take an opportunity to point that out, that there is, uh, American Airlines is doing great work. Yes, it is. I flew, the, I flew that aircraft about, uh, let's see, I got it up here in July. And it was really neat to get up close to, I think it was the first time I ever flew that aircraft to tail number 162AA or nose number 894. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was really neat to get right up close on it and then actually be able to read the names and, and see the uh, delivery on it. It was really neat. It was really a nice way to honor those individuals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, I think my, my grandmother's name, we, we put it up on there. Oh, cool. um, uh, behind two L door is where hers okay. uh, was written. Haven't yet been able to fly it, but yeah, well, it, 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 you see it around quite a bit. Um, yeah. Just got to get lucky, I guess. Um, oh yeah. And, and yeah, but well, when you do definitely go well, as a captain, it's kind of tough because captains traditionally don't really do many walk arounds. I know Rob yep. is the exception. I can remember flying with Rob going, hey, uh, when it's your leg. Fair weather, fair weather yeah. walk around, Captain. Oh, the 40-40 rule? Yeah, I do. <laughs> or the 50-50 rule? <laughs> no, Rob's like, when it's your leg, I'll do the walk around. When it's my leg, you do the walk around. So we, we split it. You yeah. know? Um, and I thought cool. that was just really cool. I love it when captains do that. Um, uh, but I got to remember what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. 90, 90% of the time though, it's like, yeah, it's like you get to the airplane late because of a connection. The captain's already, everybody's on board and you're like, Oh, okay. And they're like, uh, yeah, I didn't do a walk around go, go do one. <laughs> it's like, well, you've been sitting here for 30 minutes. Okay, fine. Yeah. yeah but can't let my coffee get cold. Oh yeah. Kick a tire. <laughs> That's right. Take my time. And the maintenance goes, uh, all good with the airplane. I don't know. It's called a walk around. Yeah. I don't look around. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, I learned a little bit about uh, what's going on in the industry. Uh, congratulations to the Flight Attendants Union for getting legislation and rules passed with the FAA to get that rest. You guys deserve it. I could never do your job. Um, brass knuckles and a taser, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, not, not me. Um, don't think I could handle it. It'd be a lot of dented coffee pots if I was a flight attendant right now, I'll tell you right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations yeah. to them. Uh, congratulations uh, to Captain Roger for being the owner of a new kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah good luck, Roger. Uh, as if he ever listens to the podcast, he'll, not, he'll never hear that. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, well, I was in it. Why busy. do I got to listen to it? <laughs> He's too busy. I want to say uh, thank thank you to Captain Roger and Rob D for joining me today. And a very special thank you to Captain Rob Kosan for being our guest host today. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, 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 Rob. Thanks, Roger. It's been a pleasure. Um, keep on doing it, man. It's always fun. Yeah. You know, and... and by all means, you know, we'd love to have you on again and again and again. It's just, I love getting your input. Um, you're just an all around good guy. Uh, so much respect for you and, and what you're doing. And, that. Thank you. and the fact that you're, you've got the baby and you're still on reserve and you're both working and you're <laughs> making it work. And, you know, I, I've been there. 
Yeah. Usually when the baby's down, that's when I take my nap too. And we've yeah. probably taken away your nap. So yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. He, he just has to go to work to get some rest. I get it. That's yeah, what, that's exactly. what normally we do. <laughs> exactly. As, as uh, Kyle, which is why he hasn't been on the show for like what a year. Yeah. Yeah, he's always he's, like, oh, I got the busy. baby. I got the baby. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I hope you, the listener out there, uh, has enjoyed the show. And we really hope that you can spread the word and pay it forward by sharing this podcast online and with your friends. And let them know, hey, have you heard about Squawk Ident? It really does help us out. Make sure to subscribe and follow Squawk Ident Podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. We also love receiving listener feedback. You can send us an email or even an audio file right you know record it on your iphone just send it to us in an email uh, like captain keith is doing you know uh, just send us a little heads up what how are you doing are you in the airline industry are you in flight school how how's your progress going we love hearing that and we will share it on the show you can check us out at www.aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee.com. You can help produce the show by sending us a couple bucks right there on the homepage. All that goes to beer. No, I'm kidding. It goes to uh, paying for websites <laughs> and things like that. Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram users, you can also find us under the Squawk Ident Podcast. One final thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there. Be safe and take care of each other. Bye, y'all. See ya. Later.
fly this plane and land it. It's an entirely different kind of flying. 